Money Books with Aaron, Timmy, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. And then there were three. They're driving like flies. I tell you what. Well, you know, we had to vote Paul off of uh, Podcaster Island, uh, you know, several weeks ago. And then Andrew didn't make the uh, the uh, immunity gamble. So, you know, now it's just the three of us. You know, and Paul tried to crash this morning, but... His horrible internet connection is—it uh, was too much. We had to vote him off again. Yeah. You know, I thought that Paul's plan to seduce Jeff Probst was going to take him to the finals, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently not. It's just very sad. Is Jeff this Probst the- will lo- use you and lose you? That's what, right. Is what we're saying here. That's right. You gotta be careful. Yeah. Is this the awkward part where I bet I've actually watched a few seasons of Survivor? Oh, I've man. I've watched more than a few. I I think I haven't watched anything since the first season. That's that's your loss here. I'm just not much of a reality TV guy. Oh, that's true. You don't like reality TV. So. That's okay. It's not very real. That's true. As as is with most quote reality TV. So, I am also not a fan of uh the major plumbing work I've had done this week. And I'm not talking about my down there. I'm actually <laughs> I'm talking about uh, nuclear replacements. <laughs> no, that I'm a big fan of. But uh, <laughs> no, I have a uh, I had a uh, a cracked pipe in my foundation, a slab leak, as it were. And you know, what's better than having one hole in your floor than having two holes in your floor? I mean, because if one hole is awesome, how much more awesome? Would a second hole in your foundation be? Man, I was going to say, I thought you were going to go with George, quote George Thorogood. One ain't enough, Jack. You better make it three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, they, they they came with the jackhammer and, you know, drilled up my floor. And they said, oh, yeah, we got to get in your kitchen, too. Bastards. So, uh, the show outlined, you have typed out Plum Again. Uh-huh. Yeah. I totally misread that when I first read it. And I thought it said Plump Again. <laughs> Thought I was going to talk about fat chicks. Yeah, that's what I was expecting at first. And then I realized, oh no, plumbing. This is his uh, horrible plumbing week. Yeah, yeah. Chicas well, Locus went a different direction. Chicas Plumpus. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure that's correct Spanish. You know, so they, they they drilled up my floor, and of course, it all happens in the uh, floor that I want to keep. Every other every other flooring in the home is coming up as part of our remodel. But the the Spanish tile that I that I love so dearly uh, has uh, two big holes in it. So yay, yay! And you know what I really enjoyed was that when he told me, "Oh, you know what? This is down in one of your beams." And I'm like, "Well, what does that mean?" He says, "Well, you know, you've got deeper areas in your foundation that support the load bearing walls and the pipes in one of those. So we're looking at about a four hour jackhammer here." Oh. I'm like. God damn you. <laughs> I I feel your pain, Aaron. We had the plumbers out this week and uh they were looking at a leak we have in the in the shower. Uh-huh. And as he's looking at it, he's he basically takes one look at the part, it's like, Wow, I've never seen this part before, it's so old. We'll have to rip the entire thing out. You, take you, take the wall look. out, replace all the the plumbing and then they looked at a uh, another leak that we have uh you know a valve we have outside, like, oh, yeah, we'll have to go into the foundation for that one. Oh, sorry, man. Sorry. And that, folks, is why I rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the downside to having a house that was built in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's all painful and hurty. That's what it is. It's painful and hurty. So you know now there is a uh, you know the the pipe is repaired. My sink drains, but uh, now the, the pipes clean, Aaron. <laughs> the pipes are clean. Yes. But uh, yeah, the the thing now is that there's this nice veneer of concrete dust across everything in my house, and so uh, today is uh, uh, clean the house day. From you know vacuuming to mopping to shampooing carpets to just everything because you know it's like it's like it's like Scarface blew up in my house with this nice veneer of white dust across the house. So you know, I'm talking about cocaine, baby. <laughs> your your day probably sucks more than mine. This is the uh, the first l- yard mowing of the year day. Ah, I did that last week. I did that last week. So I spent spent a couple hours out in the yard edging and mowing and weed eating and 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 weeding and feeding. Got the fertilizer down. Uh, We're uh, I, checking <laughs> off things. Pipes clean. Lawn mowed. Every thirteen year old that listens to this podcast is dying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've just been hoping for three days in a row where it doesn't rain so I can have uh, an easy mow. And that hasn't happened. Absolutely. Wayne's first manscaping of the year. Let's do this. <laughs> well, yeah, Wayne, I just recommend getting a couple of goats, you know, and just, <laughs> Free uh, just let them no- gnaw it down to the ground. I like it. All right. What do you do with the goats when you're done? They eat their mailbox, what they do. Well, you eat the goats. Cabrito. It's good stuff. You can milk the goats. Well, if you have the right kind of goats, you know, like lady goats. If you have boy goats, you really don't want to milk that thing. No, yeah, it's not gonna not gonna go well. Yeah, but you know, you can have meat goats and milk goats. <laughs> I'm not sure what the cost analysis on this is. Oh, it's 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 good. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, you know, you've got lots of you got lots of goat farmers, you know. So, I'm sure it's good. But he's saving money and paying the, the neighbor kid to mow his yard, right? Because he's got a goat. And then once the goat's done his business, you eat the goat. Hmm. We are changing the theme of this podcast Ah. from comic books to goats. Hello, welcome to Goats with Aaron, Tim, and Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. We can't change it to goats without Paul here. Paul has that special place for goats. That's true. That's true. Our goats have that special place for him. I'm not sure which way it goes. (laughs) Well, you know, Paul is all about livestock. You know, and farm animals. If we change a show, to, a show about goats, I'm changing my name to the kid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's goat talk. The goat cast. I like it. The goat cast. Billy the goat cast. We'll work on the title. Ekus, <laughs> we need some artwork from you for that. <laughs> I, uh, I may be sleeping in on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, talk to us about your goat experience today. What's new in goats? Uh, egg futures are up. I'm out. I'm out. That was it. I looked that up for you. That was my contribution. And I'm just gonna make asinine comments. It's much like the comic book podcast. It's the farm comic book report. <laughs> Pork bellies are down. Meat is up. You know, since we've talked about it every episode for the last you know four or five, I can give my John Carter report because I loved it as much as you did, Aaron. Did you? And I went out. I went out and bought the first book afterwards. Fuck yeah! Look at you. I know you had some, you had some trouble seeing. The it. only thing I didn't like was that, again, it doesn't stop raining here right now, and we're in the movie. the uh, The power flickers. Show goes off. 
Yeah. So they come and they say, okay, we're rebooting all of the systems. It'll be back on in a few minutes. So the movie finally starts, and it's at least 15, maybe 20 minutes past where it had stopped. So he's on Earth right. when it goes off. It comes back on. He's on Mars. And we have no idea how he got there. Right. So my wife goes out real quick and tells him at the front counter, and a couple other people are watching, and they kind of – they don't go out there because they saw her go out and they thought that's what she was doing, but they never move it back. So after the movie, we went out, we went up to the counter and they did give us free tickets to right. come back another time and see it. But yeah, I was so impressed by the movie, and which is why it annoys me so much that the advertising was so horrible Yeah, because this movie lost a ton of money. And it didn't need to because it really was good. But they expected people to have a clue who John Carter was in the advertising. Yeah. I had no idea. The name John Carter meant nothing to me. Pushing that as the advertising was a complete failure on Disney's part. They should have just shown more scenes of him jumping and done more to indicate this guy has superpowers on Mars. That would have been more interesting in an ad for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that the that they really let themselves down in the marketing for it because I, you know, other than uh, you know Jake Ekus who is broken inside, I don't know anybody who, who didn't who didn't just you know thoroughly dig this movie. Yeah, same here. Everyone I've talked to that has actually seen it has loved it, and the trailers. I had no interest in the movie from the trailers. It was just that people had seen it and they kept coming back and telling me how good it was. Yeah, four or five people in a row told me how much they loved the movie. And that's what made me go into theaters. Yeah. But the advertising never would have. Yeah. Now, I dug it. Can't wait for it to hit Blu-ray. What I, I'm afraid of is because it lost so much money that they probably won't make the rest of them. No, I agree. I, I think that this is probably the movie we're getting. I, I, I doubt very seriously that Disney will put any, any additional John Carter movies out there. Because, you know, it's being branded as, you know, the uh, – uh, the least successful movie or the biggest failure uh, ever in Hollywood. I mean, it, you would think that uh, that this was the worst movie ever made. Yeah, yet everyone that sees it absolutely loves it. Except for Jake Ekus, who is broken inside. Yeah, so. but that's a given. <laughs> so, uh, Tim, I know you have some thoughts around the recent news that the Thunderbolts will become the Dark Avengers. Uh, yeah. Um, WonderCon 2012 uh, announced that they are going to change Thunderbolts to Dark Avengers. And what they said was they are adding new characters, uh, Dark Scarlet Witch, Dark Spider-Man, Trickshot, Ragnarok, and Scar. And that they are leaving Jeff Parker and Kev Walker and uh, the in place, basically, as the creative team. Mm -hmm. So here's my dilemma. I really, I really like the writing from Jeff Parker. Right. I know a couple of people have dropped off the book with this time travel stuff, so I, I get that. But uh, you know, I thought the writing's been fairly good throughout, and I thought the art, art's been fairly good. And Jeff Parker had a pretty good knack for making me care about characters that I, I would normally not care about. Sure. So you know, Ghost has been interesting. I've, I've loved the stuff with, with uh, Man Thing, and you know, I because I'm looking at that list and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, I don't even know what a dark Scarlet Witch is. <laughs> you know, I mean, is Dark Spider Man? Is that Scarlet Spider? Is that like? Well, it can't be Venom anymore because Venom's Eddie Brock. I don't. 
not Eddie Brock, uh, Flash Thompson. Right. I don't, you know, and Ragnarok. Let's let's not get started on that. Ragnarok I, being Clone Thor. Yeah, Clone yeah. Thor. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I kind of like. They, I kind of like Scar. Should be dead. Yeah. No well, they crap. keep rebuilding him. Yeah, they rebuilt him. Yeah. yeah. I. I was better than he was about, before. Stronger. I was kind of curious about Dark Spider Man too because. I'd, no character really fits to become Dark Spider-Man right now. So originally I was like, ugh, there's a book I can cut. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't know. I'm 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 wondering if I should if I should try to give it a chance. So I, I might, might give it might give it an issue. I might give it a chance because you know I, I do like uh, you know the, the creative team. I've just not much cared for the time travel story. Yeah. So I might give it a shot. Yeah. Well, you know. Other news out of WonderCon was uh, Mark Wade's big announcement. Um, he is launching his own digital comic book company, you know, with regularly issued, uh, regularly released digital comics straight to the web. Um, he, you know, actually put a sample out that we'll talk about in a few minutes uh, this this week um, called Luther. But, you know, he he made some comments about the uh, future of comic books and said, you know, digital is really where it's at. Digital is where you're going to, you know, bring more people into the hobby. He is funding his new digital endeavor by selling off what is characterized as an extremely valuable comic book collection. Um, and, you know, he, ju- he just said, you know, print's really not where it's at anymore. Um, you've really got to have a, a, a digital window. But, of course... People on the internet, being as they are, have responded harshly in many in, in many circumstances to Mark, uh, and you know, calling him a traitor that he is betraying the retailers who have supported him for so long that he's turned his back on comics, and that Mark Wade is a bad bad man. Mark Wade is going against the comic book stores and the industry as it's always been. He's bad bad. <laughs> Bad man. There we go. Yeah. Much so, what, so what did you guys think about the big Mark Wade crisis this week? Crisis of the see, Infinite Wades. I don't see why it's a controversy at all, other than a lot of comic shop owners are just clueless about the direction of the industry. The guy didn't say he wasn't going to do any more print comics, and he obviously is still doing print comics with various companies. He just is moving off into digital to try to prepare for the next wave of the future. And if he didn't, he would be stupid. Digital is obviously the next big frontier for comics, and you know Mark Wade's a, an entrepreneurial kind of guy. You know he he has worked in you know not just at Marvel and DC, but you know he was also over at CrossGen for a time. Uh, was the you know publisher over at Boom? Uh, you know the guy the guy's got his hand in it, and. You know, I think I think he's smart to do this. I think you know, go ahead and cut yourself a big piece of the pie right now in digital comics, and if you can bring digital comics, you know, to the masses successfully, I think you can you can you can really have a success there. As the nonconformist in this argument, uh-huh. I, uh huh, I I I don't see the argument either. The, the guy does regular comic books. If yeah. he wants to do a side project where all he does is digital, I don't think that's going to kill anything. Because I, I think Marvel and DC has have kind of set the tone as to what they're going to try to do, right. which is both basically. Yeah, and I, and I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't see print comics dying off too fast if they, if if you guys are right and they do go that way. Yeah, I, I think they'll be around for a while. So, 
I can see where people might be concerned, but um, Mark Mark Wade being uh, the, uh, the 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 death messiah basically for all these people being worried about it, it's like I, I don't really see it. Yeah, I'm just surprised at. I mean, you know, when you look at what the, the work Mark Wade has done and and the extreme catalog of work he's got behind his name, you know, you know, Mark Wade's done Kingdom Come, he's done, you know, and I can go ahead and correct myself. Last night, uh, right now, over last week, uh, he did Tower of Babel. I uh, erroneously stated that uh, Grant Morrison wrote Tower of Babel. You know, he wrote Tower of Babel, which Justice League Doom was based on. You know. Mark okay, Wade. That makes more sense because I was last week when you mentioned. It, I'm like, how could Grant Morrison have wrote such an incredible story? Oh, he did. Mark <laughs> Wade did. Okay. Yeah. My, my world a, is fixed now. That's that's a hundred lashes with a uh, a, a rolled up uh, X X Factor book. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's all right. But you know, I, Mark Wade is this is a tremendous talent, and and you know, if you've ever met him, you know he's a good guy. You know, he 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 is a a, he, he provides thought-provoking uh, stories, and he's actually you know someone who's kind of you know driving the industry. He is leading the industry in, in certain areas. Well, he's uh, friend of the he's friend of the podcast, Mark Wade, too, isn't he? Well, he's not been on yet, but I'm certain that he would consider himself our friend. Oh, I could have sworn there was a a. Uh interview Paul did in the back streets of some Florida comic book show. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, that wasn't Mark Wade. Mm. Rolling out of all of this excitement from the Mark Wade debacle this week, the Mark Wade crisis, if you will, is uh, his new webcomic, Luther, which uh, Wayne and I both read. Oh, I, oh can I start? Because I, I read six pages. Oh, get it, Tim. Read, read in quotation marks. Go. Oh, I, had to, I had to stop. Why did you have to stop? Because you hate Mark Wade? Because he's betrayed you by going digital? No, it's not that. It just was awful. It's six pages <laughs> of corpse. I'm like, I'm out. Now, it was Done. awful because you don't care for horror? Awful because you didn't care for how graphic it was? Uh, yes. I've been I've been dipping my toe in the, in the, in the horror genre somewhat. Uh-huh. In horror light, basically. Uh-huh. So I can handle a little bit of that, but... It was just like page one, page two, page three, page six. I'm like, no, I'm done now. <laughs> well, here's the th- here's the first thing to mention about it. The yes, it was six pages of uh, of zombie corpse, but it was not actually like six. It wouldn't have worked in print. I'll put it that way. The what I really was impressed by was Mark Wade took advantage of this being a digital format to create the appearance of a moving comic. Right. So you would have page one, for example, would have one panel. You click to the next page, and then the rest of the picture comes into frame. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're being guided through the story. It's like panels are appearing. You get to see the panel, and then you get to see the dialogue as people say it pop up to give you a more interactive read to it. This, I think, is – this is where the experimentation really comes in because he didn't just make a PDF comic. Right. He didn't just make a, you know, a web comic. He made an actual interactive comic. Yeah, I, I he he truly wrote for the medium, you know, that it's, you know, as opposed to flipping pages, you're 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 scrolling from panel to panel. And you can really kind of imagine it uh, in the comicsology guided view. You know, now what what we got was a, was a PDF but you know, like on the you know third, no fourth panel, you know there is the the 
uh, panel is about a third occupied by the guy shoveling part of a zombie corpse into the back of the truck. And then when it moves to the next, the rest of the screen is populated with the body going into the truck. So there's a real sense of movement and motion in the comic itself. You know, you, you'll have a page with, you know, the guy looking at the scene and then the next page, the, you know, text populates. I think it's a, a fantastic way uh, to write for this medium, you know, and like I said, you know, it really does give you that that sense of energy, that sense of movement. Um, I think it's it's very successful. Yeah, I was very impressed by that. I mean, you get to see as Tim mentioned, the first six pages is a corpse laying there, but. It's all different. You see the face, then you see the corpse, then you see a shovel and a foot come in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. I really liked how he did that. It was very impressive. Like you said, he was writing for the media. It, it's a quick read, yeah. partially because even though it's 33 pages, a it's lot re- of those are the same page, just being revealed be- piece by piece. Yeah, it's really 33 panels. It's a short story. And the great thing is it's free. And I'll put a link in the show notes so if you're interested, you can go see it. Uh, I think if they're going to bring this kind of quality to uh, their digital publishing house, um, I think they're going to be very successful. I think people will respond to this, particularly if they're utilizing some kind of guided view technology similar to Comixology. Um, I I, I can really see that working well in a a viewer like that. Yeah, so for the story itself – Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll admit I'm on a bit of a zombie kick right now, especially yeah. because of the finale of Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. It, the story, I thought, was great. It was a nice, chilling one-shot story. It's not issue one of a long series. You know, it, it really is just a short story that has an ending. Right. I I thought the story was chilling. Yeah, I thought I thought the, uh, the story was well, – it was a short story. You know, it just kind of you know punches you in the gut, you know. As uh, short stories are wont to do, I thought I thought it was a, a nicely told story. I thought that it was well illustrated, and I think that it was written perfectly for the digital medium. So I I, I dug it. I can't wait. I am excited about what Mark Wade's going to do. So head on over to markwade.com. That's M A R K W A I D dot com, and download your free copy of Luther. It was pretty awesome. And join yeah. the Harbingers of Doom, <laughs> especially. Especially you, Paul, now that you're on with us. Yeah. Because I know how much you love horror. I think you will really enjoy this book because it it was a great short story. This is really not the place to talk about how Paul loves horrors. It really. I just, I, it's kind horror, of awkward. Is there really horror. a place for that, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just want us to keep the goat cast, you know, uh, clean. You know, this isn't this isn't the uh, the normal Paula Ponte, you know, F this, F that, you know, F me. The kid you know. doesn't abide by the explicit tag, boys. That's right. That's right. True. So, Paul, you, you got to keep it clean here. Last week. I heard last week's episode and I heard a couple of F-bombs. We were all talking about you, though. Well, oh, that's true. We're so. trying to cover for you. You know, it's really just, you know, fucking Paul, you know. Yeah. See? <laughs> and in that so. context, it's appropriate. but only in that context yeah well i assume you've got a good excuse for being tardy to today's episode yeah you know my computer is speaking of horrors my computer has performance anxiety i think Uh uh Um, because it worked fine and then you know we we started the call and literally the second your face popped on my screen 
everything died. I had that effect on people. <laughs> yes, I know you did. <laughs> you have that usually it on just plumbing. I know I that. Say, usually <laughs> it just dies inside. This time it died outside. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so, I, so Paul, did you read Amazing Spider-Man number six eighty-two this week? I did indeed. The first part of Ends of the Earth or Ends well, of the World. Well, you know, because you have been absent from the show for so long. Dun dun dun. Um, I'm gonna. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Amazing Spider-Man six eighty-two? Well, um, Amazing Spider-Man six eighty-two is the first part of the Ends of the. Is it Ends of the Earth? Ends of the Earth. Story ends on. of the Earth, <laughs> which is Doctor Octopus's octopi, Doctor Octopus, <laughs> Doctor Octopus's master plan, um, his final master plan. You know, uh, Doctor Octopus has been kind of dying for a while now, uh, and I think it kind of started with Amazing Spider-Man 600, and so here we are, 80-something issues later, and the buildup has is finally coming to fruition, where Doctor Octopus is basically. His master plan is revealed, and what he's saying is he's willing to cure the greenhouse effect um, on the planet and basically allow the Earth to live longer. But, you know, Spider-Man doesn't believe that nonsense. So despite Dr. Octopus's proof and formulas and everything showing that he's trying to do the right thing, Spider-Man decides, you know what, something's going to go wrong. He's got to have some type of master plan. So Spider-Man decides to go to the Avengers to uh, to get some assistance. And uh, so I I got to say, you know, a lot of people are loving on this all over the web. I, I thought it was, it was okay. I thought it was <laughs> kind of a mediocre start. I, there wasn't much really there to, to, to grasp onto. I mean, there was a pretty book. There were, you know, there was a good fight scene and it was much. It was like like a starter, but it felt more like a zero issue than the first issue, if that makes any sense. It felt like a first issue to me. It uh, and 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 I kind of liked it. I mean, I didn't dig it. I wasn't I wasn't uh, rocking on it, but I think it's setting up the story nicely. Yeah, I mean, it's a good setup issue, but as far you know, it 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 doesn't quite have the same impact as like the first issue of Spider Island. Right. You know, Spider Island started, bam. You know, big event big action things like that and this is definitely more of a it seems like it'll go that way you know they have all this preview art and preview covers of the upcoming issues Mm -hmm. and it looks like there's going to be a lot happening but you know the first issue is definitely more of a setup well i I do have a problem with with a couple of things in this book and let, let me go to the writing for instance first off regarding the writing you know it seems like it was just Two, maybe three issues ago that Max Modell uh, was pretty harsh with Peter. Yeah, about, about the Spider-Man thing. That was yeah. at the point one issue with Morbius. Yeah, and and maybe that's just out of sync because it's a point one issue. But I don't think it is. I think that predates this story. And, you know, because he was like, you know, hey, um, you know, I'm going to have to you know watch you more closely about this Spider-Man relationship because this seemed really out of context with him going, OK, you know, uh, uh, you wish Spider-Man the best of luck on this from me. Uh, not that he'll need it with you backing him up. I'm sure we're all in the best of hands. And See, so I, I I blame the point one issue for that, though, because when you look at Spider-Island, he was very supportive of Spider-Man during Spider-Island. Right. Yeah. But there was a good reason for him to have an issue in with Spider-Man in the point one, you know, when Spider-Man broke in and there was the fight with Morbius and like, it made sense. And so I gotta be honest. I, and I've been complaining about this for a little bit cause it happened 
after the Daredevil storyline too, right. the book gets a little bipolar. In that one issue, Spider-Man is, woe is me, I just broke up with Carly Cooper, I'm miserable. And the next issue, he's like, you know what, life is grand, I have the greatest life in the world. Yeah. Um, and, you know, same thing with this. Max Mundo's like, oh, Spider-Man's a menace. And then in this issue, he's like, oh, no, Spider-Man's great. And same thing with J. Jonah Jameson, right? Like, yeah. Jonah seemed okay that Spider-Man and Human Torch and everyone saved his son's life. But in this issue, he's trying to shut down Horizon Labs. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's... This there's a, there's a bit of bipolarness to it. It doesn't seem to, and, and it's written by the same guy. I know Chris Yost is helping, but mm-hmm. it, it it I find some of the contradictions in character a little jarring. Yeah, you I know, agree. The only issue I have with the writing was uh, the fact that Peter is writing a spider glider, like the Goblin Glider, only shaped like a spider symbol. Right. I don't see him ever riding a glider on his own or building a glider on his own. There's no reason for that whatsoever. I I cool with the uh the spider bombs that are like pumpkin bombs. That I can see. I don't see why he's riding a glider well, to throw he, them. He needed it to fight Equinox. No, no he didn't. Yeah, he did. He had to have that to fight Equinox. He wouldn't he wouldn't have used it, Wayne, if he didn't need it. And it's after true. After everything the goblin has done to him, I don't see him emulating his glider. Yeah, but you know the goblin hasn't been around in a while. When was the last Green Goblin storyline? That's right. It's it, true. It was the the one with anti venom, new ways to die. I think. So, unlike Paul, I did absolutely love this issue. I thought it was a great first issue to the storyline. Mm-hmm. I've been nervous about this whole Spider Man in space because I think there's going to be a lot Spider Man. In space! But so far, I love the artwork, because it's not Ramos. The story, I thought, was great. I like some of the interesting, you know, catches in here. Like the uh, the fireman whose leg is frozen. Yeah. They never once in comics, as long as I've been reading them, seem to deal with what would actually happen with ice like that. I mean, I've heard a lot of X-Men comic books where Iceman just ices people up. They never deal with the implications of it. That This guy's foot cracks off and snaps because it's frozen. Yeah. That, I got a huge kick out of that. You know, and it's it's just kind of an awful page, you know, because they're, hey, easy, Frank, and they pull him back, and it's crink. <laughs> and, you know, there's his foot, <laughs> you know, left in the ice pack. Nasty. Now, did either of y'all read this in Comixology? Nope. No. Okay, so I, I didn't make it to the comic shop this week, so I, I, I read it through the uh, Comixology app. And I have one complaint about the way it was adapted for Comixology. Okay, you've got that page where uh, Pete's talking to Max, and then it cuts to the next page, and it's the, the big him suiting up with all of his uh, you know, special anti-Dr. Octopus, anti-Rhino, anti-Sandman gear. You know? And so you've got you know, the overall page is Peter going through each one of those boxes. And then you've got all these panel insets of him putting on the jacket, putting on the gloves, suppl- uh, you know, stocking up his, his uh, utility belt and putting on his boots and whatnot. Well, in the guided view, it goes from that last panel with Pete and Max Modell, and then you hit the next panel, and it guides you over to just Peter with the narrative saying, you know, uh, we, we can't let this go. Not this time. The stakes are too high. 
And it only takes you to one of those little inset panels, you know, of him putting on the helmet. It doesn't take you to each one of those individual panels, which I think would have been great for the guided view. You know, I was just like, wow, what a missed opportunity on that. Yeah, I have to say, I don't care for him changing costumes so frequently. I don't care for this costume. But I do love the idea that as he's had free time at the lab, he has a box devoted to each one of these villains. Mm -hmm. Because that's the kind of thing I would expect Peter Parker to do. Take the time to think about, okay, next time I fight the rhino, what am I going to do? I've got a lab full of resources to make something to prepare for him. So I like that those boxes existed and that he had stuff already ready to go. Right. So, Wayne, what I hear you saying is that Peter Parker has a secret lab <laughs> in Odell Industries and then a super secret lab <laughs> behind his secret lab where he stores his anti-villain gear. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's not really a lab. It's a super secret storage room that's connected to the super secret lab. Mm-hmm. Dan Slot's listening to Knights of Rainsboro. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, Spider-Man doesn't have minions, so <laughs> yet. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they're setting Uatu up to be his minion. Hey, Spider-Man is jumping around and making corny jokes. Are they trying to rip me off? Could be. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Could be. <laughs> well, anything else to say on uh, Amazing Spider-Man six eighty two? Actually, yeah. Before we go, I do want to talk about the Caselli art. The yes, Stefano Caselli art because I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um. Now, I I don't based on what I've seen as far as the upcoming issues though he's not going to be the artist for the entire arc which kind of sucks um i wish they had given him enough headway to be the artist consistently because you know when it co- when it collects in trade you know it, it'd be nice to have one consistent artist on the storyline like there yeah. is with spider island yeah yeah it's bad enough having issue issue by issue not knowing if i'm gonna love or hate the art <laughs> but once you got a great point there paul it, when i'm reading a trade and the art switches in the middle of the story, that's far more jarring than issue by issue. And I like Umberto Ramos, who's the artist on the second half of the arc, by the way. Um, <sighs> but but it, his art style is very different. Yes, it is. It, it, yeah, this art style is this art style here is good, and then there's him. <laughs> so yeah. So as you'll notice, we haven't talked about any DC books this week yet. And uh, I think it's because how many of you guys are still in the new 52? Uh, I, I am. I mean, I bought Justice League. I bought Supergirl. I bought Catwoman. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I think Wayne and I are still in the new 52 for the most part. But I know Aaron's pretty much almost entirely out of it other than Batman and Robin. Yeah. And uh, sh- The Shade, uh, which really isn't a new 52 book. Um, you should have bought, bought Justice League, Aaron. Just saying. Shazam. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the backup story, and that is one thing that I think the New 52 is doing very well. Their backup stories are better than the regular stories in some of these books. Yeah, because I'm going to go on record and say Justice League number 7 sucked. <laughs> the backup story was good. <laughs> but Shazam was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so one of the things we were contemplating is, you know, what if we were writing the next New 52 book? You know, and if, if there was the third wave, per se, um, what – what book would we contribute to that third wave? Uh-huh. So, Aaron, you sound like you have an idea. You know, I I have a general idea, um, and, and, and I'll answer you two ways. One is that I think I would start something new, 
part of the problem for me as a reader in the new 52 is they're going through and they're just retreading a lot of their characters. And they're telling stories that, you know, I've already read, you know, uh, and I think that really the place that they're not doing that so much is over in the Batman books, you know, because they've let Batman retain so much of his background. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and so thus I'm reading Batman and Robin. And, you know, I only dropped off the other Batman books because I was having trouble keeping stories straight. You know, I didn't drop off of them because they weren't good. I was just like, let me pick my favorite Batman book, which is Batman and Robin, and I'll stick with that. Um, I think I think the Batman books are pretty successful in terms of of quality and telling original stories. I don't get that from the other New Fifty Two books. So if if I was responsible for writing a new New Fifty Two book, I would have original characters. I would I would have something that for for you know folks who are already in comics uh, can read and it be a fresh start for them. It can be you know a fresh beginning with a new character as opposed to hey let's tell Superman's origin again and hey this time let's make him a dick. <laughs> you know I, don't, I really don't, I really don't want to read that story. Um, and that's kind of been my issue with the new Fifty Two. Now if I was going to go through and take an established character, a character that's that's already existent within the DC catalog, I think that I would go and visit the Milestone characters again. I, yes. would, steer, I would steer away from Static um, just because of, you know, the debacle, the you know colossal failure that has been the uh, Static relaunch. And I would probably go to uh, something like Icon or perhaps Blood Syndicate you know, and update those books. Um, I really would like to see Milestone fully integrated into the DC universe. Uh, I would love to see hardware being a, a good counterpoint to uh, a rather lame character, Cyborg. You know, and I know that that's probably not a, a good decision for a publisher to show, hey, look how much cooler this character is over here than the character we've been forcing down your throat for the last couple of years. You know, uh, boy, have they? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just so tired of of Cyborg being pushed on me like he's a good character or something. I, I'd, I'd really rather see hardware. I'd really rather see, you know, uh, these milestone characters that are so rich and fantastic uh, take up some real estate in this new 52. It's a good opportunity to use these characters, and I'd sure like to see them. See, I would go a completely different direction. I think there's a lot of history in the DCU right now that we don't know. So my wave two would, or I guess wave three, four, whatever wave we're on right now, <laughs> would be looking through some of that history. I want a Superman Chronicle story that isn't telling, you know, one big story. I want it to be one-shot stories throughout the history of Superman, or it could be an arc of three or four issues. But I'm not getting a good Superman, you know, story that is Superman being Superman. We've got Superman's origin set five years in the past, and then we have the modern Superman that was a new story with new villains, which was uh, not very good. But what I want to see is what out of Superman's history has and hasn't happened at this point. You know, I want to see one-off stories of just Superman being Superman, because I'm not getting a good Superman feel from any of the Superman books coming out right now. So I'm, I would call it Superman Chronicles and just play through the history. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. You know, you could, you could 
you could go back and just plumb the the gems from you know the history of Superman, you know, and retell those stories in a modern setting. And another book in that line I would do is a Booster Gold book, like Booster Gold was when they first started this new book, where he's going through time fixing things. Mm-hmm. I would use that as a way to show what hasn't, you know, what didn't didn't happen during the course of this new DC. You know, have him jump through the new con- continuity. You know, jump into a story here or there, and oh, that's how it happened now in this new world. Right. And use that as your way to tell those stories without retelling them. Because Booster Gold didn't retell any of those stories he played into before. You know, he had a part to play, and they were happening around him. Right. So It I is think a brave that, new world. Wayne yeah. said continuity. <laughs> did you catch me stutter there? I did. I myself? did. But I'm impressed. But yeah, that's what I want to see is a line of stuff telling us what has happened to lead us up to this point without just retelling the same stories. Find a new way to do it. Yeah. I think Booster Gold will be a great way to do it. And again, I'm not getting a good Superman fix right now, especially since uh, DC Universe Online ended. The, uh, the, the series of it just ended. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have a Superman that feels like Superman yet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Do you feel like, you know, we've got that common thread that they started in all the issue ones of the the lady in the red hood, right? You know, wandering through the uh, the different books. Do you feel like that that kind of shrinks your universe a little bit having that common thread through all the origin stories? I liked it. I liked having the universe shrunken and more more consolidated. Yeah, I like I like a, consolidated universes. I, I agree with Wayne. I like that it really close together and tied. Not that I want to buy every issue of everything and have a lot of crossovers, but I like acknowledging that this is one universe. Just like over in Marvel, I like it as, you know, in a Fantastic Four book before he joined the team, having Spider-Man swing by, not really dealing with what he's doing, but hey, there he is on panel. If you look closely, you see him in the distance. See, I kind of hate it. Really, I like it, because that's why I like the Top Cow universe. I can buy five books and get the entire universe. Well, no, no, don't get me wrong. I, I like that you can get the entire that, – that Top Cow is compressed in in its storytelling. But, you know, the DC universe, you know, used to have origins independent of one another. And it really seems like they've linked a lot of the origins with this one story. You know, so like the, the the universe rolled out, and you know you've got all of these different linkages, you know, between Superman, Batman, and I, one of the things I liked is that Superman happens independent of everybody else, but his influence in the world, you know, through his, you know, as Wayne was talking, his history impacts the world. I just I, I just hate that it seems oversimplified to me. That's what I dislike about it. Whereas I don't feel that way over on the Top Cow universe. Yeah, I can agree with that. So, so Tim? Um, you know, my knee-jerk reaction was Red Robin, but because uh, I, I miss Tim Drake. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I do too, uh, Tim. I've, I'm with you. I, I, I tried to sculpt that idea a little bit more, and I think I'd bring back Batman Family. So I'd want a Batman book that's kind of not in continuity that could rotate around to you know red robin nightwing you know batgirl it's stuff where you don't have to get the whole series 
stuff that's more condensed because I'm sure they have a lot of stories that they could that could work with that kind of book. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that way you got a taste of you know just about every character that 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 you know where's the cowl. Mm-hmm. That, that I think that's what I'd want. Would you want that to be a darker book or a lighter book? Um, I don't. I would. I my thought was it would depend on who you had, but I mean, the, if you had an overall feel, I think it'd be darker. Yeah, because that's my big complaint with the Batman books. I've dropped almost all of them, and I like I like a gritty street level Batman, but I don't necessarily like the the darker drawn out storytelling we're seeing in the Batman books right now. It's just too much for me i i want a lighter batman story and i do like i said i do love the the street level stuff but it, he doesn't feel quite as street level as he used to you're making scott snyder cry right now Wayne. yeah because i love scott snyder's batman book i love it but i i, I agree with tim and, and in fact that kind of it's similar to my idea you know we had read a couple of uh months ago, a rumor that there would be, I believe it was Nick Spencer, maybe it was Paul Cornell, but someone would be doing a book called The Robins. Oh, yes. Uh, that would basically be a team of all the existing, well, they all still exist because everyone's back from the dead now. Right. But you'd have Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, um, and Stephanie Wayne. Brown. <laughs> well, I don't know. And who knows if Stephanie Brown's in the new 52, but, you know, but if she was, you know, that would be cool to see her there, too. You need, well, you need she's, a female. She's in the new 52, but Batman's not willing to talk about it. So. <laughs> but I think that would be an awesome book. I think it would be awesome to have a book starring the Robins, because I got to be honest, I did not care for Teen Titans in the slightest. And I like we said, I miss Tim Drake just as much as the rest of you guys. Um, another character I miss is Connor Kent. Uh, you know, yeah. Yes, I know there's a Superman book, but that's not Connor Kent. Right. Superboy uh, book, the, you mean? Yeah, sorry, Superboy book. And that is not Connor Kent at all. And, uh, you know, I, I, I miss I, – I loved Adventure Comics. Um, yes, not so much the Superboy series that followed it, but I loved Adventure <laughs> Comics. I felt it appealed to folks who liked Smallville, and it was genuinely family-friendly, all-ages friendly, uh, an all-ages friendly book that could be enjoyed by everybody and still have that Smallville feel. Well, and um, look at that storyline that we're never going to get to see. You know, yeah. where the Simon – I forget that, what that character's name was. Valentine, maybe? Yeah. Simon Valentine? Yeah, you know, with the with his Lex Luthor. We never yeah. got to see that develop. We never got to see that come to fruition. You yeah. know, I mean, there, and there were some great things that were set up there that could have been a 10-year-long arc, you know, and it just – it never it never came to fruition. And I loved that story. And, you know, I, I would love to see – I would love to see something that appealed to – a more mass audience without being a tie into the Young Justice cartoon. You know, there's, yes, there's a Young Justice comic book, but I want to see a book that's not based on the cartoon yeah. that I can still enjoy. I can still get those characters, that character interaction, without necessarily having it be a, a cartoon tie-in. And yeah. I think that's something that Adventure Comics really did a good job of, you know, because it was. I mean, that book was straight up Smallville. Yeah. And I just I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I, I think you know DC is missing the family friendly market. They have kids books, and they have these books that are, I mean I don't I think every single one of their books is either T rated teen or teen plus, mm-hmm. and I think there's nothing in between. There's nothing that is all ages friendly and stars superheroes. Right. Um, yeah, and I think the best place for that would be. Somewhere in the Superman family or somewhere in the Batman family. Yeah. Ne- neither one have, you know, truly inspiring, you know, 
stories that I would be willing to give to a kid right now. Well, you know, we were talking, you guys were talking last week about, a, you know, the new Rocketeer book by uh, Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Right. Oh, I can't wait for that. Could you <laughs> imagine a creative so team like that on a Superman book? Oh, that'd be fantastic. You know, I mean, yeah. that would oh, just be an if amazing If Mark book. Wade wrote another Superman story, if, he, if they put him on a Superman book, I wouldn't even have to grab the first issue. I would just automatically add it to my pool. If he wrote anything Superman, if he wrote a character that kind of looks like Superman. <laughs> I also well, would so if it was Superman well. Superman well. Oh, yeah, if I he's writing it, I'm on board. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I mean, I mean, it's funny because a lot of the things I would like to see in the New 52 are things that existed in the old DC universe. Right. Um, I'd like to see Ed Brubaker, Ed Brubaker back in the DC universe doing a, you know, a Gotham Central mm-hmm. book. I mean, just. You know, I feel there are so many characters that DC is not focusing on because you have seven Batman books. Right. You know, one of those Batman books could be a Stephanie Brown book or a Cassandra Cain book or a Commissioner Gordon book, all of which I would find a hell of a lot more interesting than anything going on in Batman the Dark Knight. And forgive me because Batman the Dark Knight is about to start being written by Greg Hurwitz, friend of the podcast. I like Greg Hurwitz. I do like Greg Hurwitz. Um, you know, or you know, some of these other Batman books, like Detective Comics, that I'm just not reading anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, just... And my big issue with all those Batman books, see, I, I wish there was were a lot of Superman books like there are Batman books. But the Batman books, I would be fine with that many of them if each one had a different feel. Now, some of them are focusing on different things. Batman and Robin focuses on Bruce and Damien, and that's why it's the only one that I'm still picking up. But if each one had a different focus as well as a different feel or a different theme, I would be more likely to be picking up more than just the one. But they all feel the same, and it's all a much, much darker Batman than we've read in a while. Or at least a darker storytelling of Batman. Yeah, well, and I, I can see that. And I think what you're looking for, Wayne... I, I like a... I like a dark Batman, but I don't need a dark storytelling. Yeah, well, I think you're going. I think you would enjoy Batman: The Dark Knight, the David Finch, Greg Hurwitz book. Oh, I guess right now it's Paul Jenkins, because that's kind of like a blockbuster Batman, big villain type book. You know, it's not like the the Scott Snyder, which is dark and is dealing with the Court of Owls, and it's not like Batman and Robin, which is this emotional drama type thing. I think. Dark Knight is what you're And so, yeah, I guess maybe there's a purpose to all these different Batman books. But what I'm saying is there should be a Batman book out there that is entirely family friendly. And there's not. Because you know what? When I was nine, I was reading Batman. And Batman, yes, there was violence in it. It wasn't as violent as it is now. It wasn't as dark as it is now. You know, and you could still have serious stories without necessarily being that dark. And I think DC's missing that family-friendly market, and they've been missing it the entire time since New Fifty Two started. DC's been missing the family-friendly market. Yeah, you know, I think some of my favorite Batman books were they were pretty close to the same time frame, around No Man's Land, and then uh, was a Crime War, War and Crime, the one where Stephanie Brown caused a. Uh, a war between all of the, the various was, mobs. No, man. Uh, that was War Games, wasn't it? War, yeah, war Games. Yeah. That was the time period I really was enjoying Batman because this was a down-to-earth, street-level Batman. And those stories were – they definitely weren't bright, happy stories, but it didn't feel as dark as the stories that are being told now. And the stories themselves aren't really that – it isn't that they're that dark. It's just – 
maybe it's a combination of the artist and the writing that they have, but it just, it doesn't feel the same as those stories did to me. And I was, that was the Batman that I really enjoyed. I wish there was just one book that was like that. And I'm not saying, because I do like those books. I do like the Batman books. I don't necessarily care for the Superman books. I'm I'm hopeful for the Keith Geffen run. But, you know, I think, I, I think there's room for that stuff and some other stuff if you trim the fat out of the New 52. I still think there are books in the New 52 that are not necessarily, you know, selling gangbusters that could be replaced with any of the stuff that we mentioned. A Robin book or a new title or, you know, a, a milestone character that isn't Static Shock. You know what I'm missing from from the DC Universe right now? Elseworlds. Yes. I really miss Elseworld stories. Well, and I think we're going to get that with the Earth 2 book. Yeah. I think and, and when I, Earth 2 starts, it looks a lot like an Elseworlds book. And I'm actually looking forward to that. But I, I, I certainly am missing some of those, you know, alternate universe, this never happened, you know, outside of continuity kinds of stories. Uh, and I understand that right now they're not wanting to uh, dilute the brand. You know, they're wanting to keep folks focused. But, you know, every week I go through and I look at what DC has, you know, and I know this this is, you know, playing right up Tim's alley. But, you know, I'll look on Comixology at the stuff that's now a dollar less. And I'm just like, God, there's really nothing here I want. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reading Aquaman. I'm reading uh, Batman and Robin. And I'm reading The Shade. You know, and every now and again I'll pick up Animal Man. But you know, as the story narrows to the Animal Man Swamp Thing crossover, I'm not interested in that. You know, see, and I am, but I, and, and I get that. But you know, I, I Swamp Thing's never been a character that I'm interested in, so I don't really want to, you know, waste my time picking up uh, the current Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's just not a whole lot that really is holding my attention in the DC universe. And that well, makes me sad because, you know, DC has some fantastic back issue sales. Like right now they're having, uh, their Legion of superheroes sale. Now I've never been a big Legion guy, but they're, they've got, uh, uh, Legion of three worlds. The first three issues of that are on sale this weekend. Loved Legion of three worlds. You know, I, I just, I, I want something to grab me over in DC and nothing's really hitting me right now. Well, I think one thing that's coming out now that I'm kind of excited about is they finally are continuing the Earth One books. There's a Batman Earth One book that's getting ready to come out. Yes, Superman yes, Earth One, the original volume graphic two. novels. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Superman Earth One, it was a different type of Superman story, but I really enjoyed it. So I'm excited about these because they are in a different universe, and it is it's kind of like an Elseworlds story. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious what they're going to do with Batman. I mean, you've got GF. Uh, GF Johns, Jeff, yeah, yeah, Jeff Johns is writing the Batman one, right? I I can't wait to see what he does with Batman in that world, and I want to know where they go with Superman after that first one. Plus, it's also the only place where we get a Superman that still has the the classic costume that hasn't given up his uh, underwear on the outside. <laughs> but yeah, I think one of the things I'm missing from the New Fifty Two, and I know we're kind of harping on this, I'm missing some fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the books are just straight up serious. There are very few books that are fun. Aquaman is a fun book, mm-hmm. um, but even then, I, I think that'll get serious as they delve into the who destroyed Atlantis storyline. I think we need, you know, Marvel has the market on fun 
books, books like Thunderbolts and Spider-Man and Daredevil are all just fun books with good humor. And there's, there's not really anything like that right now in the DC universe. Everything is just so deadly serious. Honestly, I'm not getting my fun from either one of them. I've getting, I'm going to third, third party companies. Guys like Boom and uh, Image have more fun books than either of the big two. Yeah, I think they just need, they just need to have a little bit more of a playful attitude. Not everything needs to be so serious. And I think a Robin's book would have would you know th- those different characters and that dichotomy. You know the way that Tim Drake and Damian Wayne interact. Ah, that would priceless moments. But you know we'll we'll see. We'll because you know I'm sure there will be a wave three uh, sometime later this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wave 2 has yet to start. I think that starts in what, May? Uh, April or May, yeah. Yeah, April or May. So, you know, we're getting Batman Incorporated, Dial H for Hero, the Earth 2 book, um, Power Girl and uh, Huntress. So we'll see what's in there. Yeah. I really hope Dial H for Hero is the fun book. It's going to suck. <laughs> but I like the last series so much. I hated oh. the last series so much. But I'm looking forward to uh, the GI <laughs> combat with the. The dinosaurs in World War II storyline. That's going to be cool. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm glad I was able to make it for the last five minutes of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we're glad too. Well, sure. Yeah. Mm. You're going to edit the last half right out of this show. <laughs> Paul lifts right out. Right. Well, out. that that is the conversation that we had last week. Is how how easily you lift right out of the show, Paul. Yeah, I heard. I heard. You know, Tim. Do, Tim's doing show notes now. He's going to be doing editing and artwork. What? What? Yeah, that's that's right. Someone yeah. looked him up. And I you know, like, Tim gets second billing today because he didn't do show notes this week, Aaron. You did. Yeah. So I took my second place back. <laughs> well, next week I'm sure we will be chatting about Avengers versus X Men number zero. Hmm. Uh, does that come out next week? It comes out next week. Wow. Oh. Uh, I think it's by Bendis and uh, Terry Dotson, I think. Very exciting. Yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to it. Well, maybe uh, we'll have more than uh, than one print and uh, one digital comic to review next week. Yeah, we'll see. Potentially. <laughs> no problem. Well, Super, Superman number seven, the first issue of the Keith Geffen run, starts next uh, week. I can't so. wait. I, I, man, don't let me down. No, and w- whether it's good or bad, you know we're talking about that one. Yes, sir. And I know Tim is anxiously awaiting Spaceman number five. Spaceman! They made five of those things? <laughs> There's going to be nine total. Oh, there shouldn't have been one. <laughs> I, I know that you're anxiously awaiting the hardcover. Yeah. The you know ultimate that. hardcover edition. Speaking of hardcovers, next week, uh, the Secret Avengers run by Warren Ellis Ooh. gets collected in hardcover. Ooh. That was a good book. That, that so pretty on the shelf. Highly recommended. Yeah. All right, All right guys. Well, I'm sick of talking to Paul, so uh, yeah. I'm out of here. I Aaron, go fix up. your plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Is that a metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.